What up, homies? Okay, let's actually just talk truth right now. Sex and intimacy with your partner is imperative for a successful relationship. I'm just going to lay it out on the line right now because if you don't want to listen to a sex conversation, then you should actually stop listening right now. But if you agree and you believe and understand the importance of sex and intimacy in the relationship, then homie, this episode is for you. Because it is important that you're always communicating, that you're discussing things with your partner. What if you have a health issue? How are you going to have that intimacy? I have been through that and today we share exactly what it takes to make sure that you do not have a sexless relationship. Because mark my words, bed death, bed death will also be the death of your relationship if you don't revive it. So today we are grabbing the paddles, we are giving the electric shock to our relationship and we are bringing the spark back and finding out how to bring the spark back. So without further ado, grab your partner and let's dive into this very specific conversation about our sex lives and the importance of it. Let's freaking go. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. I'm Tom Bilyeu. I'm here with my wife, Lisa Bilyeu. And today we're going to be talking about surviving a sexual drought. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. The question is, have you guys ever gone through a sexual drought where one or both of you have had little to no sex drive? How did you survive it? Okay, before I answer that question, I want everyone to smash the like button. It helps the algorithm. And now I will tell you that you're going to say that we went through a sexual drought when you had your stomach issues. I was so worried about you when I say that it did not feel like a sexual drought because that was the last thing on my fucking mind. Um, so yes, I guess we did go through a dry spell, but it was so all consuming the medical issues that it's, it's a little bit like when you are sick, you don't feel like you're missing out on anything because you feel like so much ass. You just want to stay in bed. I was so worried about you. I, it wasn't like I wanted sex and wasn't getting sex. Um, so from that perspective, I don't feel like we've ever been through a sexual drought because we laid some early groundwork, um, to make sure that we would never get too far afield. And I can walk through that, but I feel like you have something to say. Yeah. I would just kind of like to give a bit of context in case people don't know. So, you know, had massive gut issues, um, Thankfully, you know, kind of seeing the other side of it now and feeling much better. But there was at least a year where I could barely, you know, eat. I couldn't work out. Um, my gut was so sensitive and I was so frail and, you know, malnutrition. We didn't go for a year without No, sex. we didn't go through for a year. But each, every week it was like, babe, how are you feeling? Like, mm. and so you, I need to preface everything by saying you are the most understanding, loyal supportive husband like when it came to that you really were getting all emotional um you were so wonderful babe you never you never made me feel bad at all and i'm saying it because you even now you were like oh no it wasn't even a sexual drought because you didn't think about it and if people know how sexual, sexual of a man you are, like, so you're such a sexual man. And you'd said that from the get go when we first got together, you, you know, said, I'm never going to have a sexless marriage. It's very important to me. So when I got sick, you didn't batter an eye. 
So it's beautiful and amazing to hear your side of it. But for me, it, it was something that I struggled with because you never made a peep, but I knew how important it was. And I was a sexual person. Like, I loved feeling sexy. I loved feeling like a sexual being. I loved it when you would, like, grab me and throw me on the bed. Like, I freaking love that. And it was exciting for me. I felt connected to you. So the fact that you couldn't do it, the fact that every weekend it was like, oh, can we, can we not, babe, what position? Like, oh, do you want to stay? Like, you were just so understanding, which you know, is wonderful, but I didn't feel very sexual. So it was, you know, feeling really badly for my own sake. Um, and so that was really hard for me. And so how I dealt with that, that in, I would just talk to you about it because I was like, I can't tear myself apart inside and worry. Is he secretly holding a grudge? Is he secretly, you know, um, like, I don't ever want you to hide and run and watch porn and hide from me. Like, I want to be able to talk about it and be like, babe, how are you feeling? Like, do you want to go watch porn? Like, how can I help? Um, because it was something we were going through together. So it was very hard for me in that situation. Um, and I felt that talking about it just eased it. Um, because I would talk to you about the fact that I wouldn't feel sexy and I would talk to you about that I miss it. And, um, that really helped. So, the only thing, like, I guess the advice I can give in this situation is to be open about how you're feeling. It's no judgment. It's no pressure on the other person. Um, but, and then also, you know, one thing me and you do often is to talk about, like, just on a general, you know, it's a three-day weekend and we have our list of questions. And it's like, babe, how sexually said? I think I even asked you that fairly recently, <clears throat> just out of blue, because I was like, oh, you know what? I don't know if you come on to me as much as you used to. So I was just like, babe, are you sexually? Like, yeah, of course, babe. I'm, I'm just not 25, you know, not, I'm just not 25 anymore. So, um, thank you for asking, but yes, I'm fully satisfied. So just making sure that, articulating, checking in with your partner, doing it like a regular, like if even if you just had it on your calendars, like once a month, ask each other, that way there's no pressure of having to bring it up and actually like set aside time. It's just like, oh, like what would you change? What would you want to do differently? Um, and then have, having that open dialogue. Um, sorry, I said a lot of words there because that caught me off guard. But No, they all made sense. It's interesting. I'm glad to hear from your perspective because I think that period was a lot more difficult for you, not feeling sexual, not feeling desirable, not that you weren't desired, that you didn't feel desirable because you were in pain and uncomfortable and you weren't able to work out and maintain your physique the way that you like to maintain it. And so that like I think that we're sort of to the side of what most people are asking. I think most people are in a position where the emotional connection has become strained. And so that's where there's a whole, there's literature around this idea of an incest taboo within a marriage and an how, incest taboo. What yeah. So mean? we have deep neurological wiring to avoid incest. So right. how does nature ensure that you don't find your family yeah, attractive, yeah, yeah. right? Because that would be dangerous from a reproductive standpoint. I hate so that. nature has only two weapons at its disposal, pleasure and pain, right? So pleasure in the form of like desire, wanting, lust, 
pain, revulsion, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's the plus or minus basically. And so what ends up happening is it's familiarity that the um, brain turns against. So it's growing up around your parents and your siblings that makes that so unattractive. So if you are, you're in like this constant tension with your significant other of if you let it go too long without having sex, then that incest taboo creeps in. And so they say- Is this say, like a thing? You're blowing thing. my mind this right now. It makes complete sense. Yes. But, oh, so shit. now, do you know how long it takes to trigger the incest taboo? Oh God, you're going to scare me, aren't you? <laughs> I hate to think of, oh God. I'm going to say a year, but that's even terrifying. You're so far off. Oh, God, you're going to say shorter. Oh, God. Is it really? Yes. Because you almost then, that creates bed They become like a roommate. Yeah. You're just like, we have logistical issues with the kids and we got to get them to school. And so we share a life. That's pretty clear. But if you're not having sex, it becomes a line to cross. And I remember in the beginning of our relationship, it was something different because we were apart. And so we'd be apart and I would have this anxiety when we would come back of like, is it still okay for me to touch her as if like we're a couple? Cause you know, you can get away with some shit with your <laughs> wife or your, you know, your steady girlfriend that you couldn't with someone that you're dating. You know what I mean? Like for instance, I almost never walk past you when we're in home territory without touching your butt. I mean, almost never. If I walk behind you and you're cooking, I touch it. If I'm walking to the <laughs> fridge, I touch it. Like I just. And when you don't, I'm like, oh no, what's, what's right. wrong with him? <laughs> so it's, it's a nice little intimate thing that we do. Yeah. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it, especially if 
you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. So, but in the beginning of our relationship, because you were living in England and Mm. I was living here, there would sometimes be months between when we'd seen each other. Mm. And it was so early in our relationship, I'd get this anxiety of like, where are we? Like the the line that we have crossed to become sexually engaged has been crossed, but now there's like all this distance and is there re sort of friction there? So anyway, it kicks in in about a month where even a married couple starts that just low simmering sense of like, oh, this is a taboo again for me to cross the Mm. sexual boundary. And so then it gets easier to not do it, which then sort of guarantees bed death, as you called it. So it, it, man, you can't play around. And we've always given people the advice on like Instagram, you have to have sex often. Like you have to be very thoughtful not to let much time elapse because it keeps that relationship dynamic alive. And you have to be really, really careful. Okay, so that's part of it. People have to think through that. And then on top of that, it's just realizing the amount of communication that it takes and negotiation that it takes to navigate through sort of mismatched sex drives or getting into like, we're kind of low-key fighting, but it's not really out in the open. And so now like a lot of times, I think the woman may be harboring some emotional things that haven't been resolved and she needs to feel loved to have sex. The guy is starting to feel isolated. He needs to have sex to feel loved. And so you get like this weird tension of like, whoa, why are you trying to touch me? And like, you haven't even apologized for that thing that you may not even know that I'm upset about. And the guy's over here like, yo, why are you icing me out? Like, you know, I, I don't even feel connected to you. I don't feel loved, which of course makes them not want to even figure out what's going on. So we're living in an interesting time where I don't know how much I would have thought about the difference between men and women had it not become almost taboo to talk about it. <laughs> and now that it's becoming taboo, that like part of me that has a real problem with authority kicks in. And I'm like, all I want to talk about is how men and women are different and the ways in which they're different. And I think it's, very disorienting for men and women to be together and for it to be taboo to think that there are no generalities. Of course, we're all unique. We're all different. None of us fit the stereotype exactly. But there's some generalities which are real fucking important to understand and they will help people navigate that gap. And it's a different gap to navigate if the woman is the one pulling away. It's a different gap to navigate if the man is the one that's pulling away. It's a different gap to navigate if there's just kids and everybody's busy. So it's like, you have to understand like what is happening at a neurochemical level, at just like a brain setup level. The hormones of the situation are different. Like, is this somebody that just had their first child? Is this somebody in menopause? Those are very different answers. And so 
really you're having a biological experience. I want people to understand that because from there you can navigate the situation effectively. So then how would you then navigate it? Because as we've both, you know, for us, it's your sex drive has changed over time. Mine has, has been also the things but with my health and stuff like that. So let's say this person is in a relationship right now. Um, they want more sex. Their partner isn't necessarily interested. Mm. How do they bring up that situation and discuss it without the other person feeling badly about right. themselves? I don't know if we're about to get lit on fire, but this is the truth. And so people can do with the let's truth do what it. they will. All right. So number one, you have to just openly communicate. So if you want more sex and you haven't said, hey, by the way, I want more sex in a way that is meant to be heard. So you're not just, you know, yelling and screaming like you really want to be understood and you want to make sure that you speak in a way that they can understand. So but talking about it and then recognizing that in a marriage you have to negotiate this stuff. And that means that each of you are going to give a little the person that doesn't want sex is going to have sex more than they ultimately want to to make sure that they're meeting their partner in the middle and the person that wants sex more is going to be having sex less than they want to to meet their partner in the middle. And I get it like that feels somehow on the surface like when you just say the words. If I just say isolated on a piece of paper in the abstract, somebody's going to have to have sex more than they want to. Peep fucking pitchforks, people are going to be freaking the fuck out. And I get it in the abstract. In the abstract, of course, you should never have to do anything you don't want to do. But in the reality of a marriage, you should want your partner to be happy. You should be willing to enter into to a negotiation to figure out like, hey, how do we make this work? How do we make sure the incest taboo isn't kicking in? How do we make sure that you're fulfilled and you feel loved and heard and understood and seen and desired? You know, and for a woman, the big one, because as I was saying, those, those are a mix of both male and female, typical. Uh, for the woman to feel desired is huge. And a misunderstanding of that on the male part, the need to externalize that desire or even to rekindle it and to build it up so that they can get to the point where they're really sort of effortlessly um, articulating that. Finding ways to fall, to re-fall in love, if, if that re- is required, with your partner's changing body right? That as we get older, none of us are feeling like, whoa, hey, this is as good as it was, you know, in my prime. So, but finding ways to legitimately be excited and turned on by your partner, no matter what, you know, whether they're getting heavier, whether they're losing muscle mass, whether they're just getting saggier, like whatever. Like one of my superpowers is my ability to find things and say, I'm going to fall in love with this thing. Like, I'm going to fall in love with the changes. You know what I mean? Mm. And I hope that I never get tested. I know I've said this enough that I'm almost just inviting fate. But, like, if you were to ever get burned, I would find a way to fall in love with that. And to me, that's just, it's just important. And we have this malleability, and I'm not saying that it's easy, and I'm not saying that there aren't some bridges that are too far. But I am saying if you're in a relationship and you're committed, like, for me, this is forever, right? So... It's like, well, it can either be painful and I just focus on how it's all bad and worse, or I can find some in some way, something Mm -hmm. like when somebody has a scar, right? And you just think, let's take stretch marks. If your significant other got stretch marks giving birth to your child, 
That's so easy. That's such a no-brainer to be like, every time I see these stretch marks, I'm just going to think about the life we've built together, that we've got children. You fostered life inside of you and you gave birth to that. And you know, we're a family now. And it's like, that's all we had to like give up to get this thing. And that's reframing. And so being able to do that on both sides so that the other person feels desired, it's like, that's the dance, you know what I mean? But to get to that, you've really got to understand what the other person is going through. They've really got to understand what you're going through. They've got to want you to win. They've got to be willing to do, like to have sex a little more than they want to, or to have a little bit less sex than they want to, whatever, to like want the other person to thrive in the relationship. I love that. And that's exactly what we did. And I think that that comes to making sure that you're communicating from early on. Now, look, if you're in a relationship that you've been in for a long time, so you're not there, I would start to work on how do we start to open up this communication so that we can keep having these discussions. Um, but for us, that was really important. Setting the ground was from like very early on where you had said exactly the type of how much sex that you want in you know per day or per week and then I had told you what was satisfying to me and then we figure out like it's like a dance right and I I'm so glad I love that I just left you to say the hard things um <laughs> but I'm sitting there going yeah 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 because you're 100% right it's like do we, did we meet in the middle? Yes, we did. And that's exactly how when people say, how have you had a 20, you know, year relationship or a 19 year marriage so successful? It's because we talk about this stuff is that I'm very okay with you going and watching porn. I will encourage you if I'm not interested. Um, then I think that that's important to be able to discuss these things and, you know, um, encouraging each other. Like I want you to be sexually satisfied. So yes, absolutely go watch porn baby if I'm not in the mood. Um, and then the one thing that we've always said is I'll, um, I'll never make you feel bad for asking if you never make me feel bad for saying no. Church. And we agreed on that from the get go. So for people at home, like sit down with your partner and say you watched the show Relationship Theory and hey, here's something that if we want to have a very sexually satisfying relationship, can we now sit down and discuss it and lay out what is interesting to you, what is interesting to me and how we work together in navigating this on a daily, weekly basis and then just make that agreement that I'll, I'll never make, I never make you feel bad for asking. You can keep asking like day in and day out. If I'm just not interested, I'll just keep saying no. And you just keep, you know, and then obviously if it came to a point where you're like, all right, what's going on here? You said no a lot or Hey, what's going on here? You ask me a lot or whatever. We'll just sit down and then talk about that, but we'll never make each other feel badly because that ends up bringing up anxiety. Like imagine the anxiety that you would then feel to come on to me. And so if I'm then pushing you back, now you're not coming on to me anymore. Now I'm feeling less sexually attractive towards you. And now I start to get into my own head of why isn't he attracted to me anymore? And it becomes a spiral. And it really goes back to because you neither of you ever created the space in the first place that you could have the honest discussion. 